Hello everyone and welcome back to the episode 3 of season 2 Spilt Space Moves a podcast where you can mainly discuss about space stuff but we also end up rambling about K-pop and NFTs. This is your host Alina the potentially spaced out space person and and Pooja who is your wandering stargazer. And with the last episode we've been celebrating women in space and we've been receiving a lot of lovely comments and feedback from you guys and we just wanted to thank you all from the team of Space Mobs and Abusa. Uh and thank you so much for supporting us in the manner that you are. We hope to yes. keep receiving your continued support. Exactly. It was such an amazing experience actually and since the whole month of March we are celebrating women in space Today also we have an amazing person with us as our space mob expert. Yes, in fact I'm really excited to have and introduce uh, Deepika Jayakodi who is a space lawyer and a senior commercial contracts manager at an aerospace company in the Netherlands. She is also the author of the book The Innovation Matrix and has been involved with a lot of organizations in the space industry. It is such a pleasure to have you on our podcast Deepika. Deepika what do you feel Firstly I think it's amazing um to be with two young space stars I would say um I think it's also one of the first times I'm in a meeting with two indian women which is uh, pretty awesome oh. I just realized that when I was uh, yes. hearing your introduction so very happy to have uh, joined your session and i'm looking forward to all your questions wow that's that's really really amazing and today uh, to all our audience we will be talking about commercial space law and me and pooja coming from the policy and politics like kind of social science space social science and space background we are really really looking forward to this session and we are really excited <laughs> yeah. yeah so without much ado let's just dive into it and let the smoking begin exactly so i mean this is something that i really really wanted to ask you since the beginning of this session like uh, well i'll start with my kpop preference obviously so last year uh bts one of the bts members on his birthday he received a piece of land on moon from one of his fans and though i was supposed to look into it and see whether it's actually true or is it a scam or you know how it works um yeah me being ignorant is a big time thing but yeah i didn't look into it and today since we have you on board i really want to ask like can we really buy a piece of land like of not just moon any celestial object let's say and is it really true or are there any scams conducted by people in the name of this and what is the legal aspect of it like is it even possible to get a piece of land like that so if the question is can you get a piece of land i would say yes you can so you would have a certificate or a document that shows that you own uh, a piece of the moon or um, maybe uh, one of the moons of jupiter or something but that certificate or document is nothing more than a novelty um one of the key principles of the outer space treaty is something called the principle of non appropriation and it simply means that no country and consequently no person or entity can make a stake uh, can make a claim in space um so it's it's great that you would have a certificate uh, saying that you own a piece of the moon 
Um, but legally speaking, you cannot own it. There's no rights that you can uh, derive from it. Um, what I found interesting was um, some, some months ago, I came across this uh, website called Lunar Landowner, and they have a frequently asked questions section on space law where they justify how um, the Outer Space Treaty or the Moon Treaty, they are, they are invalid. And yeah. you could uh, definitely own a piece of uh, one of the celestial bodies that they have on uh, sale. And they say that over 2 million people from about 170 odd countries uh, mm -hmm. own extraterrestrial property. Again, yeah. 2 million? Yeah, about 2 million people from, from 170 countries have these certificates. So I think he he or she is the um, is the biggest uh, real estate kingpin for extraterrestrial property. Um, yeah, and they're really school. rich. I mean, I mean, uh, by now. First of all, seven billion people are there, and out of it, two million already have. I <clears throat> okay. Take take a moment to let that take a moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so wow. obviously people have thought they can own a piece of the moon. Oh, I'm just still stuck at 2 million. Mind them, but no. <laughs> I'm, I didn't expect 2 million to be very, very frank. Like, thank you for bursting the bubble, Deepika. And <laughs> 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 we were living in <laughs> very comfortably. In fact, yeah. you know, I'm so glad you bought this because I frequently conduct stargazing sessions and most of the time, even recently, I was in a village and people from the village asked me about this uh, specific question, like being, uh, can you own a piece of land on the moon? Because there was a famous Indian actor personality last year about like who's owning a piece of land was all over the television. Uh, and that kind of created this great awareness amongst people that you can own land on the moon. So he came and like, they asked me that. And not just that, I think there's also... Uh, some of these websites which allow you to name a star based as your spouse or your you know pet or you know whoever you want to which i think is also a scam i'm like i'm not aware of the, the exact legal argument <laughs> against it but i know that it's a scam <laughs> I, I i think i think it's okay to to name them to have uh, certificates if, if that means uh, something for people um, it's just that as, as long as you think it's, it's pretty cool that I have a certificate and that I don't have legal rights that I will uh, try to enforce uh, against the government or any other uh, entity, then, then it's okay. Then it's really okay. And I think that the novelty also comes from the fact that um, people have a cultural and social relationship to these uh, celestial bodies. I can think of countless uh, Tamil movie songs, which, which, you know, where lovers promise each other the moon, how they would bring it down, how they would build a house there. Yeah. Pretty cool, but the Outer Space Treaty doesn't allow it. So, so <laughs> I'm just rethinking my life choices after hearing the two million count. I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm still not over it. Maybe I'll just have the hangover throughout the session, but two million? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm really happy that you brought this point out because it's very important. And I'm also rethinking my life choices because I'm wondering why am I, you know, working so hard? I should have probably created a smart business like this, created a website which generates certificate for people and, you know, easily earn money. Maybe we should uh, do that. 
I, I think that should be space, space <laughs> Murph's, you know, next plan. Yeah, let's put that into action, Alina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> yeah. But moving on, uh, before we get uh, carried away with... <laughs> I'm already carried away. You don't have to say. Conversation is endless. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are a few fundamental questions that you know occur to me when we are talking about space law. Number one, what is space law? Why do we need it? Like, uh, you know, and who builds it? Uh, and who is it for? Who are uh, going to be agreeing to that? So, if you could just lay down those like uh, structures for us, it would be great as like a starting point to like dive into a proper space law discussion. <laughs> So uh, space law for me is, uh, or in general, is a body of uh, laws that govern human mm -hmm. behavior in space. So any, any uh, space-related activities, any laws, rules, or regulations that govern these all fall under the body of space law. And um, it, it comprises not just of international agreements and treaties, uh, but also other conventions that are related to space activities, uh, UN General Assembly resolutions, uh, mm -hmm. rules and regulations uh, of international organizations, and so on. And this is at one level. So if you think about this, everything that I've mentioned, whether it's treaties or conventions and UN uh, uh, resolutions, they are at the, the highest uh, level. They lay down the principles. And then as you filter that down into different levels, it gets even more specific. So at the international level, you have these treaties, and then you have national uh, space laws and regulations that bind their citizens. And the citizens can be uh, uh, private persons or private entities. Um, and then if you go down one step uh, um, uh, below, uh, you have contracts that define relationships between uh, different stakeholders and actors in space. And um, if you look at the whole of space ecosystem, you find that it is a huge tangle of these different kinds of contracts. So you can, you can also have um, uh, uh, contracts between different international organizations, including some private people or some private entities, some nonprofit organizations and so on. So this is, this is the web that makes up the space ecosystem. And then you have another level, uh, which is called uh, soft law. And what this basically means is uh, they are voluntary, non-binding guidelines or recommendations that talk about best behavior in space. Um, and when people, you, you hear people often say, oh, the outer space is so old that, uh, you know, it, it has to be completely overhauled and mm -hmm. so on. Um, I believe that's not true. So the outer space treaty uh, is flexible enough to have accommodated all the developments in, in the last many decades. Um, and people are finding out new ways to add more flesh to it, to, to uh, fill in the gaps uh, or to reinterpret some of the things that are uh, vague and ambiguous. And you see that uh, soft law plays a critical role there too. So, for example, uh, to manage um, uh, space debris um, and, and to, to improve sustainability, uh, there's, there's something that's led by the World Economic Forum uh, and a few other international organizations that have come together to say, okay, there's a sustainability, uh, space sustainability rating. Um, so that's, 
that's a more you know uh, a grassroots root level uh, initiative where we say okay this is the sort of behavior that we approve and uh, if you abide by this you will get a certain rating so that's just building a reputation but also establishing an, a standard somehow so so you see at all of these different levels they um, they try to regulate human activities in space and together all of this this is what's called space law wow that's a wow. very deep wow that's explanation yeah like how concise and very in a very structured way you went through it i have like one more follow up question though because like a lot of people get confused between what is space policy and what is space law so if you could like expand on that a little bit yeah so to put it very simply uh, policies are the plans or the directions that we intend to take and then law is the implementing tool of the policy so if we have if we say hey we want to um, uh, we want to go in the direction of uh, human space exploration and do these things you will probably have laws that follow which talk about uh, safety and security what sort of technical requirements you need to have to establish the safety and security what sort of uh, liability schemes you will build in if you are for example going to send uh, space uh, space flight participants on our trip around uh, the earth and so on so policies for me are simply the uh, plans and the uh, directions and law is the tool that implements the policy uh that that just made a clear distinction of what is space law and what is space law the policy and space law i think this is one of the best explanation that i've heard so far about space law like what exactly is space law how is it done and who all are you know doing it and things like that so what about commercial space law like is it something that determines the involvement of let's say just the private actors or who all are, are the other people involved in the commercial space law part i think a common uh, misconception when people talk about commercial commercial space or commercial space law is that it uh, it applies only to private entities um and people often forget the role of governments in in commercial uh, space activities so if you if you take spacex for example their first customers are uh, the the different organizations and and bodies of the us government exactly. so so commercial space actors can be uh, can be many parties so it could be manufacturers it's, it could be people who are uh, providing operational service it could be the entities that are uh, bringing the service in the end to uh, to the users uh, but also who the customers are so i would say any any uh, space um, related activity that has a commercial element to it can be brought under commercial uh, or commercial space activities hmm. yeah that's 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 something that a lot not a lot of people know about like when i didn't learn i mean when i started to study about space law and policy even i had this thought that you know it was something that only determines about the private actors or the private entities but the government relations i came to know only after i started studying about it but i'm pretty sure there will be a lot of people who have to know about this so yeah that's really great 
Yeah, in fact, uh, I've just been wondering that since we're talking about like commercial space law, we know that, you know, there are more private and commercial space actors from the US compared to the rest of the countries. And what would be the role of like these private actors within the space industry? Uh, is it and is it same across the world or like how does the law and policy structure exist like in this regard? Um, national and you know global level who is responsible for their activities like if I am an Indian space industry company like would I have to be listening to Indian laws as well as like the laws which are made by UN or like how does it go um, yeah I think like, like I said earlier there are uh, different levels to uh, to space law and how how the roles and responsibilities the rights and obligations are flown down to uh, the entities or the people working on these uh, space activities. Mm -hmm. uh, so starting at the top, if you, if you look at um, the international treaties, the outer space treaty uh, specifically, uh, it says uh, that every state or every government is responsible for the activities of its nationals. And the nationals can be a private person or uh, a private entity or even a non-governmental, any other non-governmental organization. So it is every country's responsibility that they, that they uh, flow down uh, the international laws to their uh, citizens. Um, the second part um, is that the Outer Space Treaty also lays down an obligation on these states to say that you have to authorize these activities and supervise them. So, so this, is, this is at the level of international treaties. So it says, okay, you are responsible for them. And, and consequently, if they do something wrong, then the country is liable for, for uh, uh, whatever uh, wrong action they uh, uh, commit or omit. And then they have to be authorized. So um, as an Indian uh, company or an Indian citizen, you will be bound by the laws that Indian, India makes. And in the absence of any national space legislation, you can say that India, because it's a party to the Outer Space Treaty, has to obey by those international laws. So this is, this is how it flows. Um, and some people might wonder, oh, well, India doesn't have a national space legislation and uh, the Outer Space Treaty is pretty vague. Then, then how do we go about, uh, you know, uh, carrying forward with our activities? We do have uh, different policies. We do have um, uh, different um, uh, modes of authorization uh, for these private entities and uh, individuals. Um, mm -hmm. Apart from that, you will almost always have a contract. So at the end, the contract will determine what these roles and responsibilities are between the different parties. What happens if you breach one of these uh, obligations and, and so on. So, so there are always rules, even countries that don't uh, have any national uh, space legislations are bound by the principles of the outer space. No, and then to, to address your uh, next question on on how private actors um, engage across the world. I think they are quite different. Um, so although the Outer Space Treaty has this general principle that, okay, you authorize, you, you go ahead. Um, there's always an uh, economic security element when it comes to uh, private uh, entities. You need to be able to answer to your, uh, to your board, to your investors and so on. 
and uh, laws and policies, they sort of provide a security blanket. So the more clear um, the, uh, the rights and obligations are, the more safer it is to operate. Of course, there are some entities who say, well, then uh, that's over-regulation. I would rather uh, be in a country which is hardly regulated. That's fine, but you would still be bound by the uh, uh, rules of the outer space uh, or the principles of the outer space treaty. Um, what some countries do is they get um, quite specific to, uh, to the activities that they are uh, promoting. So, for example, if you look at the uh, French uh, national space legislation, it has a big focus on um, the, the activity of launching. So what sort of, uh, right from what sort of insurance you need to have, what sort of uh, liability mechanisms you would have, um, uh, what different kinds of authorizations you need for launching and so on. And you, re you realize that this is also tied to, you know, the sort of companies that they have on their uh, territory, the sort of uh, activities most of these entities uh, engage in and so on. Um, and then you have uh, Luxembourg as an example that uh, put a heavy focus on uh, space resource utilization. So they were one of the first uh, countries, uh, I think next to uh, the US, to develop laws that says um, that entities who engage in these space activities could derive a certain right for uh, commercial resource utilization. So you see that these are still within the outer space um, uh, treaties principles. But they, but they add more detail into, into certain activities. So, um, yeah. so I, would say, I would say how they engage and promote private um, activities are, are different quite, quite across the quite across yeah. the world. I think the most, uh, what you call, relative idea that comes to my mind right now when you are talking about the you know, engagement of private actors and things like that is the whole educational system itself. Like there will be different schools and sometimes there will be sports school. Sometimes there will be, you know, like they only focus on getting like science graduates. Sometimes they will be focusing more on art stuff and everything. But the whole educational system will be like having like at least either the national educational board or maybe they might follow the same structure in some countries. Yeah, that I think that's a very nice relative idea that you can bring in like, you know, True. yeah. That's, that's really good, like to know more about, and I think, but one issue with this is that maybe this, uh, what do you call it, difference in the focusing, it actually has made uh, some countries like the US to expand more when it compared, when compared to other countries, let, let's say within the Asia Pacific region where APOSA and Space Force is focusing more, we don't see much private actors involvement but towards the West, there is more. So I think it's also about the priorities of the na national uh, national state state actors, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think I think the, the way commercial activities um, will evolve or are evolving, mm -hmm. they they also um, they are also influenced by the the scientific technical. Uh, and more importantly, the the social and ethical aspects of uh, yeah. of these different states. So, mm -hmm. so you see that um, 
the US, for example, is super aggressive uh, when it comes to commercial space activities. They say, oh, no, we need to have the, the freedom and, and do this and do that. And then you have some other uh, uh, countries and states that are thinking about, okay, how do we ensure uh, sustainability? How do we, uh, how do we ensure there's equity across uh, generations? And, mm. and what's uh, interesting is that um, there, there is a young scholar called uh, Chris Van Eyck, who, who I absolutely uh, adore, um, who dives into all of these space lot texts. And um, in one of his talks, he, he remarked that uh, the, in the Outer Space Treaty, Article 1, which, uh, which lays down the, you know, okay, the whole setting of how we should conduct activities in space has a contradiction in itself. So he talks about how in um, Article 1, uh, you have the elements of free use and exploration of space, which mm -hmm. apparently comes from the global north uh, led by the U.S., and then you have the wording um, uh, for uh, the benefit uh, of, of humanity and, and so on, which talks about equitable use. And this, these wordings, they come from the global south. Um, I think it, it, was, it was proposed by uh, Brazil and Argentina back in the time when the Outer Space Treaty was uh, wow. developed. So you mm. see there's, there's already a contradiction. And a lot of the discussions that happen now are about how can we ensure free use and exploration and at the mm -hmm. same time make sure that this is for the benefit of uh, all of humanity how can you yeah. do that and you see that there's there's already a, a conflict based on social uh, and economic ideologies uh, that these mm -hmm. countries had so definitely. so the wow. commercial activities will will definitely evolve along that way wow like the nerd in me suddenly awake since <laughs> you spoke Same. about that because I think like it's just so interesting to like look at the nuances in that sense and I think it's very nerdy of me to be so interested in it I don't know how many people will be but like just to study a, a couple of texts and to understand in depth that you know how contradictions are it's not new it's not something which is like unheard of they exist from you know right the beginning it's just that yeah. we are unaware and we are not able to like uh, search for it or catch it uh, beforehand so yeah it's it's always fun to like it's like going fishing and you know catching those <laughs> small <laughs> nuances yeah. and like bringing them out but yeah. and, and also i mean it's ultimately it all comes down to politics i will say it's all politics and even our life is political field like <laughs> everything is politics these days so i mean it's if you are interested in politics please do dive into this <laughs> yeah and uh, going back to the point where you know how us is being more involved with the commercial space fact uh, space field we had a global billionaires doing the space flight last year which sparked a lot of debates and talks suddenly there were a lot of people talking about space tourism for some reason the thing is from i think even though i knew this all existed all of a sudden after the space flight happened my instagram linkedin google everywhere there is like you know debates should we call them astronauts no should we call them this no what exactly is happening they didn't reach that light i'm like why all of a sudden this first like it's already there it was there and now it 
gained like a lot of momentum and now i think it died like that momentum died off but still people are aware about what is space tourism and everything and i know it's a still a uh, debated topic like we haven't reached a particular conclusion yet but i think our audience would like to know like when it comes to the legal perspective what are the challenges to it like especially when the private actors does something like this and what are the things that is been done currently to overcome these challenges at the international level yeah um i think i will first start with a general note before going into the the legal uh, yeah. aspects of it um the the whole point of uh, space tourism wh- why do people even have to do this i think that's the question that comes up so often especially if you work in the space industry and you talk to someone who's outside of the industry they would ask why do you people even do this when when you know you could spend the money elsewhere um and i try to think um how did aviation begin uh, could we draw a parallel to that and uh, i read i read somewhere that the first um, uh, flight ticket cost somewhere around 400 uh, us dollars which is a pretty huge sum for the time uh, at that time it's 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 still a big amount but it it's super expensive then so could it be that we don't see its use now and that at some point it will become so common that we would be taking space flights across the globe i don't I really want to do that i really want to do that <laughs> i <laughs> wish i will get a chance to do it like before you know things goes like i don't know how but i wish i, I could really do it and you know say that okay i even travel to space i mean this is coming from a person who doesn't even travel but still that's the <laughs> point yeah so I, i i don't know why it will come to a point where we would do that but uh, i really hope you uh, get to go alina and now i'll get to the second point where i'll probably mm-hmm. break your bubble just a bit um it's a question that uh, space lawyers uh, battle with will alina mm-hmm. be called an astronaut if she does this or not um will alina be governed by space laws or uh, some territorial uh, laws um okay right and if something happens to uh, alina what sort mm-hmm. of uh, remedies uh, and um, uh, benefits can your family get so i i actually don't want to be the first one to go i will go <laughs> I will go after like you know Alina you signed up for this you signed up for this now we go with Alina please no, no, let's send no, Alina to space it's more relatable Alina now people know you you're you're a star so so people have to keep thinking what what happens to Alina that should be the wow. hashtag yeah Alina will be signing from this you already introduced yourself as the potentially spaced out person mm-hmm. so uh, you you just kind of asked for it right yeah. from there you heard uh, you heard these people right what what are you guys going to do about this like pooja yeah. <laughs> what do we do if what do we get uh, as space morphs team uh, if arena is stranded up in space what can we do and what do we do? what do we get yeah. let's let's please, get there <laughs> please do let me know and then i will decide whether to haunt them after becoming a ho- ghost, ghost. <laughs> yeah so 
in in trying to so so a lot of uh, a lot of people are of course uh, trying to figure out uh, answers to these questions and um, uh, there are some very smart people who think we should draw inspiration from uh, aviation laws and uh, uh, what we do with that and rightly so um, a couple of years ago the uh, international civil aviation organization was um, tasked um, within one of its subgroups to look into um, how they could regulate suborbital flights. Um, and, and the reason why you have to do it, we don't have a legally defined limit for where air ends and where space begins. Um, and uh, aviation law, just, just to give you a primer for why we need to do this, aviation law is governed by uh, sovereignty. So every country has uh, certain uh, rights over its airspace. So it's, it's up to a certain uh, uh, kilometers. And anything beyond that, when space law begins, wherever this line is, there is no sovereignty. So nobody owns anything there. So, and if you are doing suborbital flights, then you need to figure out, okay, where does which law apply if you go from point A to point B? And if you somewhere in between you're going to this, you're crossing yeah. this fictional, you know, line um, that limits airspace and space space. Yeah. So, so, so they are, um, uh, and, and there are different, different ways to think about it. Some people say, well, you're not actually doing things in space. You're leaving earth and you're coming back to earth. So maybe you should just let um, uh, aviation laws apply. Um, and then, and then, yeah, there are other implications too. So the International Civil Aviation Organization, along with the support of, um, you know, other entities like the FAA and, and so on, they are trying to figure out what, what can we do about uh, space orbital flights. Um, these will evolve more and more as we see more traffic uh, going into space or there because there is a pressing need to have more regulation. But for now, going back to the first, um, uh, one of your first questions, most of these things are regulated by contracts. So if mm -hmm. Alina is going to space, she would sign up um, a contract with the company that's going to take her to mm -hmm. space, where you will talk about, okay, how, will, how are you going to do this? What is your status? Uh, mm -hmm. If things go wrong, what sort of, um, uh, what sort of remedies uh, can you get and, and so on? So for now, this is still heavily um, regulated by contracts, and we hope that soon there will be more clarity on, um, yeah, on the delimitation of uh, uh, air and uh, space, on um, yeah, other yeah, who could be an astronaut and things like that. Uh, the FAA, um, I think, after uh, Richard Branson's flight, perhaps, uh, already came up with a statement saying, uh, well. Uh, the class of astronauts is reserved for people who uh, conduct activities in space and, and so on. So there were a list of things. There was already some clarification given there. Yeah. Um, and, and perhaps this will also be uh, made into a universal sort of category to define who are astronauts and so on. Yeah. And I think I've, I've also discussed this with um, a few other colleagues and we thought maybe in the future when we do get to travel a lot, uh, you could have different classes of people, just as you do with, um, you know, class, economic class. <laughs> no, as in, as in um, your pilot, your cabin crew, and your passengers. 
So just because just because we fly in a plane, we are not called pilots. We are just passengers. Mm-hmm. So you could have such a classification as well, a pilot, cabin crew, and passenger. So so maybe that's what it'll uh, uh, come to. Wow. That um, actually makes a lot of sense. Though. Yeah, so and the the like fact about having point on like i feel like you're bursting so many bubbles and like putting us in like very like oh now we are mind blown situation so many exactly and and the fact that you know we will have like a space cabin crew wow <laughs> that's that's amazing i mean when i was a child like i i think every girl might have like you know looked at uh, uh, what do you call air hostesses and how they dress up and go with the you know air flights and everything space cabin crew is really fascinating for me right but, now but you'll have to be in space suits won't you like it's not but still fancy but yeah i'm pretty sure we will find a way to make it fancy <laughs> if we reach that stage yeah wow i mean if this is going to happen within the next couple of years i think there will be a lot of economy coming into from this domain itself like there will be a lot of people signing up for space travel like space tourism not space travel space tourism and i think yeah this is going to be like a really what do you call money making business eventually yes yes but but there, there are i i think before we get to that stage um there are a few steps that that we need to at least address mm. so one is of course the the safety and security of um, of all these uh, space flight uh, uh, participants um, of course right now if you if you think about the number of people who have to be involved to to keep uh, these people safe and secure now it's 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 a, it's a pretty uh, intense uh, job it's it's a pretty mm-hmm. intense activity and uh, you need to think about how you make it so common that it's okay for people to just climb on board a, um, a a vehicle and then go to space and the second part uh, and or, or the most important part is is of course the uh, environmental and uh, sustainability uh, aspects of this mm-hmm. um, I, i think one of the first uh, space agencies in the world to do an investigation into this was the um was the new zealand space agency so they did a uh, research on space launch uh, emissions in uh, in 2020 or 21 and they said uh, there are quite a lot of uh, environmental uh, impacts resulting from uh, uh, these these launches so and and particularly they said there's uh, the depletion of um, what is it the the stratos the stratospheric uh, mm-hmm. ozone um and it was most concerning so right now it's it's maybe one or two flights uh, per year or uh, per uh, per quarter which is okay but what what happens when um when things become way too common and you already see that again in aviation the biggest challenge is to make it sustainable now um we haven't yet reached a point in aviation itself to say we are a sustainable um uh, industry so so you have to see what sort of an impact um launch uh, missions um uh, will will create on the environment before we we think about the you know the commercial and economic prospects of it wow i'm i'm actually so glad you brought out the whole safety and security angle especially in terms of like human beings in space because that 
brings me to another very popular discussion i am seeing on the internet nowadays uh, which is with regards to the russia ukraine crisis and how that would be affecting iss and like people on board and there are just so many different opinions and articles i feel it's sometimes difficult to figure out and filter out what actually is the real case and legally speaking what is the reality uh, so i would just like really love it if you could just throw some light and like tell us legally speaking very strictly legally speaking what can be done what can't be done and what is uh, the scenario yeah so the the um, iss all the activities on iss and how the iss itself is managed it's governed by again several uh, intergovernmental uh, agreements and contracts so you have the iss agreement you have the um, uh, you have rules and regulations uh, to 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 govern uh, very specific aspects of the activities conducted uh, in the space station and so on so one of one of the provisions of this intergovernmental agreement is that every partner to that agreement um they have a duty to operate the different elements uh, of the space station in a safe efficient and effective manner and uh, if you tie this to the outer space treaty there's also an article that imposes a duty that all space activities must be conducted with uh, due regard um, to the interests of other states so so you see that there is a duty to behave responsibly when it comes to you know uh, to to how you uh, manage the uh, international space station and um if we go by all the statements that um uh, that that has come from the russian side any termination they i, I think they've said oh we will uh, terminate the propulsion uh, system or mm-hmm. we will uh, deorbit the uh, uh, space station uh, uh, to earth and so on so if they do any of this they will be breaching one of these duties they will be in violation of the intergovernmental agreement and the outer space treaties obligations so legally speaking this is what exists and um you see that uh, what's interesting or how things have evolved is that after uh, the european union uh, uh, sanctions um, on on russia and also after i think uh, the, the germans uh, put uh, put one of their missions with uh, russia uh, into hibernation um they responded by saying that they will uh, stop carrying out german experiments on the iss um and and what was i think most alarming for a lot of people was forget the experiments and and missions how safe are the people on board the uh, iss mm-hmm. um and i think there was also a statement about oh maybe we will leave behind an astronaut and and so on and um until now nothing has happened um uh, uh nasa has been confident that their astronauts will uh, return safely there is a mutual uh, benefit um mm-hmm. in a way because astronauts are of course cooperating in space they have been an example of international uh, cooperation even amongst uh, rivals and you see that okay uh, russia of course um uh, has the propulsion system and things under their uh, operational uh, control the us on the other hand has uh, the power systems uh, under their control so so in a way they have to even if they don't like each other they have to work together 
to make sure that their uh, astronauts are safe and they are um, brought back home. So of course, this is this is all a legal and moral uh, duty to do things, and and I I always uh, tell people you can you can always outlaw murder, but people will still go about committing murder. Yeah. So the laws exist. Um, there is a clear indication of what's right, what's wrong, what's acceptable behavior, um, what will not be tolerated. But in the end, it's it's up to the people who are making the decisions to say, okay, we are going to bring them back okay. safe, or uh, there is going to be some harm incurred. So, yeah, and uh, I I don't want to indulge more into the current situation because it's more sensitive. And again, like hopefully things will fall back into place, like all peaceful and you know great how it would have been earlier. uh so hopefully it will come back to that place and uh, we pray for all those people who are being hurt by you know the actions that has been happening and yeah so with that i would like to say that this session was really really insightful for me and thanks dipika for posting a lot of uh, thoughts that i had about owning a piece of land going to space space tourism and even what will happen to me if i even travel to like space for you know maybe like that and 2 million people owning space objects or you know having a, a certificate that they own something on space wow i'm still there <clears throat> okay but yeah i mean i'm i'm also still listening to you and i'm like oh my god she's still stuck there isn't she <laughs> i i'm like i mean i'm glad that um that uh, kept up idol came out yeah, yeah I, i i mean and i agree with you completely arena dipika has posted a lot of bubble and we are both familiar with this field despite that it was so much that you know came to light uh, okay. and thank you so much for that in fact i feel like it's always a good discussion when i end up having more questions and like right now i've been like quietly writing and like typing down some more questions because there were so many new things that came to my mind that we probably yeah. need to know from you uh, as we were talking and that is just always a great sign and i'm glad that we do have a platform to continue that discussion and exactly. follow with more questions soon uh, the only yeah. difference is thankfully our audience will also be there and they'll be able to ask yeah. you live questions as well so exactly you guys are listening please don't miss that chance uh, and uh, uh, bring in more bubbles so that we can get them bursting <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly and also please do know that uh, space commercial uh, industry is not just about space flight and space tourism it's also about telecommunications weather forecasting and you know the, there are a lot of other things involved in space commerce uh, or commercial space industry so get your questions ready and join us on this saturday 26th of march on our instagram live session with deepika and please do look out for the time as well uh, we will be posting it on our social networking sites and join us with her and one more thing before we conclude please if someone would like to give me a piece of land on moon i would be really really happy if you want you know i will be like so grateful so grateful to you till the end I will not give you anything else back, but I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think Alina is most affected by the fact that um, yes, the piece I, of land that BTS got 
is not as special as it seems i mean it's really not... sorry about that alina <laughs> but the thing is i mean at least he had someone to gift it to him i'm just <clears throat> just please get it i mean if you like space mouse if you like how we are hosting this thing at least for space mouse you know you know okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i mean it was wow. really really yeah i know i know i'm i'm very that's uh, <clears throat> not go there but yeah what <laughs> but you know people are materialistic that shows 2 million people already on land they are materialistic there is no reason to be not a materialistic person in this world today okay extra terrestrial <laughs> property yeah why why are we doing some ad or what you <laughs> <laughs> like like yeah. share and comment invest exactly yeah. exactly i also like you know space moms will be joining this business soon so please wow <laughs> wow yeah. i don't want to know this this is news to me i mean i will i will definitely find ways bro like seriously i will be googling how to get into this and how we can go there yeah and yeah if you also want to sponsor my space travel as well space flight as well please do i will link my instagram linkedin accounts below yeah you know i can be a very good spokesperson for i don't know if I, if you have a company i will be ready to represent it as well please get me sponsored for my space flight <laughs> i think dipika is just speechless now she's like how do i even respond to this the, the, the space lawyer in me is dying a little bit but it's okay <laughs> after after feel, all this talk i feel she's I feel, like no yeah. i still want my land <laughs> yeah i want it and i want to go to space and who knows you know i might even get some alien friends if there are some you know from outside i mean who knows why am i even going to that side i don't know <laughs> but yeah you know, we have that we have that meme or that sticker which says brain has left i i really want to slap that on top of me right now my brain has left this conversation <laughs> yeah i mean uh, thank me later because i'm the reason why you did that i mean why you have to do that but yeah it's fine i mean you can wash your brain once in a while okay yeah <laughs> great <laughs> yeah but anyway it was such an indeed uh, such an indeed oh where is my english okay it was such <laughs> that's a because pleasure. your brain left a few minutes ago alina that's that's why wow this is such a boomerang it just it, i mean i i feel like karma it existed like you know if you want if you had karma it would come back in like two months or some it would take time but now it's like within it's seconds it will come back immediate. yeah yeah it's immediate response even karma has become a millennial now <laughs> wow universe nice nice try yeah i'm trying to reach you okay <laughs> okay Whew. okay so we will thank you sudha for yeah. coming and joining this mad house that we are <laughs> it was wow. a lot of fun and i look forward to speaking to a, a whole other bunch of crazy people yeah Later. Yeah, I mean, expect more like me, you know. I hope. Please cool. do join. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Deepika, for today's session. It was really, really wonderful. And we will see you guys on this Saturday. And children, this is your host Alina and Pooja, aka Wandering Stargazer, and our amazing expert.
Deepika. Signing out. See you guys on uh, Saturday. Wow. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care. Yeah.